Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. As always, we're presented by BetOnline.ag. They're your online sportsbook experts, the exclusive partner of Podcast One Sportsnet. Use that promo code PODCAST1 to receive that 50% sign-up bonus today. BetOnline.ag. Music underscoring us is that of Sam Brandt, artist supreme, my son to be to boot. Oh, we're going to do a Brandt's Rants podcast here. I've got a three things I want to rant about. First of all, officiating in light of the Packers-Lions game the other night and officiating as a whole in the NFL. Second rant will be about the Jalen Ramsey trade in the NFL and the idea of a template for stars to leverage their way off teams or leverage their way into contracts. And then we'll shift to the NBA and and the NBA China episode. I've touched on that before. I touched on it last week's podcast with Len Elmore, but want to give some more context especially comparing it to the NFL, and I uh, wrote about that this week and have actually heard from executives at the NBA and the NFL about my column. So we'll talk about that. First to the officiating, I have to say this out front. I mean, as everyone listens to me and knows my work and knows my background knows, I'm not hiding it. Full disclosure, I'm a Packers fan. Uh, spent 10 years living in Green Bay where you're indoctrinated into your mainline, into your veins is Packerdom 24 hours a day. And I've talked personally about this before, where one of the reasons I had to leave Green Bay, I just felt like my life couldn't exist like that anymore, where it was hard to go outside your house and talk about anything but the Green Bay Packers. That's a tough way to live, sort of a maniacal one-way, one-packer. Now, people living in Green Bay have their lives. They talk about a lot more than the Packers. But as an executive with the Packers, that was hard for me. Now, I had my good friends that respected my, my time, and we talked about a lot of things besides the Packers. But on a general sense, uh, I wanted some more diversity in my life, which I've hoped to achieve, and my boys and my family to sort of see the cultural diversity, and we're back on the East Coast. Having said that, I want to get that out because I'm a fan and when I tweet during Packers games like I did Monday night against the Lions, I'm obviously biased. And some would say I have this even love affair with Aaron Rodgers and talking about how great he is. And I do think that. I think Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of the league. I don't care who you pick as your MVP. I wouldn't trade Aaron Rodgers for that player. It's like LeBron James, who I'll talk about later in the podcast. You pick your MVP in the NBA. I'm not trading LeBron James for him. Simple as that. You pick your MVP in the NFL, I'm not trading Aaron Rodgers for him, whoever that is. So there we go. Anyway, the Packers won the other night. The Lions turned into the Lions in so many ways before we get to officiating. I I, I mean, they had 12 men on the field during a field goal, which took three points off the board and put seven points on the board. There's your game difference right there. They had so many opportunities to get first downs. They didn't. Uh, Hawkinson dropped a touchdown in the end zone. There were just so many ways they could have put the game away from the Packers aside from the officials, and they didn't. So the Lions lions, and I've, you know, I was fortunate from Packers' point of view to experience that for 10 years, we beat the Lions in so many different ways. I walked away from so many Lions games saying, I don't know how we won that game. And then same way the other night. But now we get to why they won the game. It was the officials. Now, listen. I just said the Lions could have put the Packers away so many different ways. But even if they didn't put the Packers away with all those different ways, I think they win the game without those at least three calls against them from the officials. 
two of them, the hands to the face from Trey Flowers, the massive contract, at least in football terms, pickup from the New England Patriots. And here we go. Two times called for this hands to the face, hands to the helmet. You know, was it? I don't know. I mean, is it neck? You know, there seems to be some confusion whether that's called if it's to the neck rather than the actual helmet, helmeted part of the face. Uh, yeah, he brushed the neck, but it was mainly up around the top of the shoulder pad in terms of where Trey Flowers' hands were. Bottom line is way we're going in officiating, that's not called. I mean, that's not called. That's not called. We've seen when that penalty is called, every replay you see is, man, yeah, that guy is holding the face mask. That guy is pushing the guy's head. That guy is up under the face mask into his chin or mouth or nose. I mean, that did not happen here. The first one against Flowers turned what was going to be fourth down punt into a continued drive that led to seven points. Huge. Basically could have been a 7, 10, 14 point turnaround. The second one, of course, kept the last drive alive for the Packers to win it with zero time left on the clock. A game they won where they never, ever led. So, yes. And then, of course, there was the pass interference that the Lions should have challenged. They didn't challenge because, as everyone points out, it doesn't pay to challenge in this NFL. But that was egregious, which I'll get to in terms of pass interference. That was egregious. Would it have been overturned? We don't know. Odds don't look good for what goes on, but geez, wow, how do you not challenge on a play that would have salted the game away for the Lions? So that falls into both categories. Number one, the penalty, the, the officials taking the game away from the Lions for the non-call. And number two, bad coaching by the Lions, even if you lose. That was so important, that's worth losing a timeout. So now we get to this pass interference and what's going on with the officiating in the NFL that we just had a league meeting. I like hours after those non-calls or terrible calls that led to a change in outcome of the game, there's a league meeting. How fortuitous. NFL owners gather in Fort Lauderdale and that should move to the top of the agenda. But as we know, with meetings and planned events, there was an agenda and the agenda was about I've been to all these fall meetings. It's about money and there's CBA, CBA updates and kind of a report on how the league's been for the year. They don't really intend to talk about the game the night before. And what happened was, yeah, the PI is kind of dealt with in this laissez-faire manner. The calls will even out. We told you it was only going to be for egregious calls like the non-call in the championship game. But that's what they're trying to point out. It almost looks like now they're telling us we're not going to overturn these because we're waiting for what happened in the championship game to happen. Well, it seemed like that's still happening. We're a call that went against the Packers, where a, a, a Philadelphia Eagle was climbing Marquez Valdez-Scantling in one of those games, and they didn't call it. They reviewed it. They didn't call it. I mean, again, the other night where the, the Packers' defender is all over, Marvin Jones, as the ball is coming in, obstructing his, his catch radius, hand in the chest. So we don't know. So where are we left with the, the, the statement that rings, a couple of statements ring true. One, Jerry Jones says, we're talking about it. Hey, everyone's talking about the NFL. Well, that, is that what you want? I guess. 
I heard the same comment during the offseason with Ray Rice, during the offseason with Tom Brady and deflated footballs. Hey, they're talking about us. Well, okay. But the other more more damning comment was from Commissioner Goodell that the PI system, the, the overturn calls or lack thereof, is kind of going the way we expect it to go, which is um, we're not going to call it. <laughs> we're not going to overrule it because, you know, we told you egregious and it's not egregious. Well, again, egregious is in the eye of beholder. It seems like there are a lot of egregious non-PI calls or PI calls, pass interference that shouldn't be pass interference. And the coaches in the early part of the season are like, this is cool. Now we can try to don't challenge this. But the referees, I guess, with an instructive by the league are saying, nah, nah, leave them go. So we are left with a problem with integrity. And the commissioner's role, the league's role, is really to maintain and protect and promote the integrity of the game. But now we don't have any integrity on calls. So every long pass and, and some short passes we view, then we're like, okay, call, no call. If call, a, a review, probably not. If review, overturn, probably not. Okay, let's wait, let's see, stoppage or not, replay shows it was. I mean, I get the no calls on jostling by both defenders. There was a couple during the Lions-Packers games. Good good on the refs for not calling that. But <laughs> the egregious ones, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I think the league's losing some integrity, but here's the bottom line. We, I include myself here, we watch. We watch. We complain, but we watch. And this is the Jerry Jones point. We complain, but we follow. We twiticule, as I call it, over Twitter. We ridicule, but we follow. We watch. We engage. We invest. We put our time in the NFL, and that's what they want. The power of the NFL is massive here because, you know, I say this with some tongue-in-cheek, but there are a lot of leagues out there, including big ones, like hockey, maybe basketball, maybe baseball, who can secretly wish that millions of fans are ragging on that they're officiating. You know, you know, we don't know if hockey officiating is is at its nadir, but the, if it is, they would sure like people talking about it. And maybe I don't follow enough hockey Twitter, but I'm just saying, we watch. Same thing with concussions. We lament, we complain, we say it's a violent game, it should be done away with. We talk about sons not playing football, we talk about numbers being down, but we watch. We watch live TV, highlight shows, reading about it, we engage. So the power in the NFL is massive. And at the end of the day, they, owners, league, commissioner, marketers, sponsors, vendors, and even players, they know. We're there. <laughs> you know, we're there. Sure, there's a segment that's going to say, I'm leaving, I'm done with the NFL. These these calls are reversing or lack the integrity of the game. I'm just done. Yeah, they'll be back. <laughs> I mean, if they're not back, they were never fans to begin with. So I just think that's where we are. Um, so that's my comment. The Lions were robbed. I'm a Packers fan saying that. I'm not a Packers fan saying that. I'm a former Packers employee for 10 years and executive there saying that. And by the way, I'll be back in Green Bay this weekend. Speaking of Marquette on Friday, I'll be around Lambeau Sunday. Come and say hi. I'll be there. 
watching the Packers Raiders, have my boys with me. Nice little annual pilgrimage back to Lambeau. Okay, that's my first rant. Let me take a sip here. My second rant. By the way, I'm not. This is not a Pinot Noir uh, podcast. I'm in the daytime here, so it's green tea. <clears throat> Insert your own reaction there. <laughs> okay, my second rant. Jalen Ramsey becomes a Ram. How about that? Ram Ramsey. Uh, and the Jacksonville Jaguars got a two number ones and a fourth for Jalen Ramsey. And my immediate reaction, as I talked about on podcast with Ross Tucker, like, wow. And wow for the Jacksonville. Wow for the Jaguars. Remember 10 years ago when Carson Palmer was so uh, tired and sick and just fed up with playing with the Cincinnati Bengals that he retired? He retired. So he's on the retired list. And the Cincinnati Bengals off a retired list got a first and a third round pick from the Raiders for a guy that was never going to play for them. And this was 10 years ago. I said, good on the Bengals. And we're still lambasting the Raiders for that trade today. Well, now we have a non-quarterback who I believe was never going to play for the Jaguars again, whether he would fake injuries whether he'd be kind of a problem in the locker room, whether he'd be deactivated, whether he'd be some part of uh, suspension, conduct detrimental, whatever it was going to be. And if he did play, it'd be half-hearted. So I say good on the Jags for getting that massive haul more than the Texans, more than the Dolphins got for Laramie Tunzel, more than the Raiders got for Khalil Mack. More because of that extra fourth. And, and the Raiders got something back and along with the two ones uh, after giving the two ones. Listen, and, and the Tunsil, Kenny Stills was part of it. So listen, that is massive for the Jaguars. Now, I don't know if I hear much of the Jaguars. Are they Jaguars tanking? But man, they've got a haul. They got a haul. First round picks are precious gold. Now, again, I know you got to pick the right player, but you get five years of cost control. If it's really good franchise tag, you get seven years of cost control. It's basically their whole career on a first round pick. And it's going to be right now a pretty good one with the Rams, which I'll talk about a little more. But good on the Jags. I say good on them. They got this haul for a player that wasn't going to play for them. Now, why did they? Because leverage, because options. Options create leverage. We hear about the Saints. We hear about the Ravens. We hear about the Eagles. Other teams involved in the Ramsey, what became the Ramsey sweepstakes for a player that was a malcontent down there. So good on Tom Coughlin and the Jaguars for getting this haul for a player that wasn't going to play for him. Now we move to the Rams. You know, and we talk about tanking teams. A lot's being made about tanking in the Dolphins. What about win now teams? Well, they're a win-now team. They have older players on defense like Eric Weddle and Clay Matthews. They have uh, Tlaib, who's on IR. They have uh, all-in on Ramsey. And I don't know if they're getting a contract done. If they don't get a contract done, they've just ceded all the leverage to Ramsey because they gave up this massive haul and didn't get a companion contract when they made the trade. Bad on them if they didn't do that. 
But the Rams are smart. You know, the Rams did what they had to do to get him because there was obviously a lot of competition to get this player. So now we're looking at the Rams and they're, I believe, I don't know what their record is. I think they're mediocre at best, maybe two and four. And what's going on with the Rams? Maybe three and three. And they better win. Because when you make a trade like that, you have just closed off your margin for error. Because now, if they don't win now, here's where they are. They way overpaid for Todd Gurley, who's become a part-time player. The book's out whether they overpaid for Goff. It looks like in the past three weeks. Who knows? And they're going to overpay necessarily. They have to for Jalen Ramsey. Uh, they paid Cooks. They paid some other players. Obviously, Aaron Donald. You can't say that's an overpay, but it does seem like the D is not where it was. So what is going on with the Rams? Well, they're in win-now mode, and if they don't win now, they're in trouble because they're going to be mediocre without draft picks and a bloated cap. So I think the Rams are in tricky ground right now. And listen, we ridiculed the Texans for paying two ones for Tunsil, even though they got Kenny Stills more for it. Uh, we ridiculed uh, the Raiders uh, for giving up... Uh, for giving up uh, Khalil Mack. We didn't necessarily ridicule the Bears for giving up two ones. And we didn't necessarily, now we're not ridiculing the Rams. So I guess what we do is we owe a little bit of an apology to the Texans. Who knows how good Tunsil is compared to Rams and compared to Mack in the general scheme of things. But, you know, those are your impact positions. Left tackle, right, uh, pass rusher. Uh, I'm sorry, left tackle, shut down corner. And yes, pass rusher and Mack. Besides quarterback, those are your three impact positions. So I get the two two ones. We're in a new age for that. But the question is, you know, no margin for error. For the teams that get the player, there's little margin for error. You know, and then Khalil Mack and the Bears losing to the Raiders, uh, you know, in London, that's, that's a big loss. Because there's your sweet revenge right there. All the, 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 the guff that the Raiders took, and then they play that guy with a lesser roster and beat them. Interesting. Okay. That is my second rant. Uh, sip of green tea. Hold on. My third rant is about the NBA. We've talked about this before. As I said, I had Len Elmore last night, last podcast talking about the NBA China imbroglio, as I call it this episode. Things to update. Uh, no, since we had that, conversation last week, which I encourage everyone to listen to. Len Elmore is very thoughtful, insightful, former NBA player, college broadcaster, basketball broadcaster, lecturer at Columbia. The question becomes, um, can we criticize the NBA? And, and what I've said is the NBA has admirably been out front on so many causes. You can go down the, the list. They were advocating for legalized gambling in 2014 while fighting it in court, but advocating it for it nonetheless, way in front of the other leagues, including other leagues like the NHL and NBA, who have now placed teams in the mecca of gambling in the United States in Las Vegas. Adam Silver has led the charge on uh, embracing gay rights. He has um, threatened to withhold an All-Star game from North Carolina, from Charlotte, based on their quote-unquote bathroom bill. He has ridden in a gay pride parade on a float with Jason Collins. 
Adam Silver has also uh, allowed star players like LeBron, uh, even Steph Curry, coaches like Popovich and Kerr to speak with him with impunity about negatively about the president of the United States and leadership in this country. So free expression has been his thing. Then it comes to China and then Daryl Morey does the tweet about freedom, uh, about freedom to the protesters of Hong Kong. And we have an international incident. So the obvious point is the NBA uh, serving the business interests in China over protecting Daryl Morey. And I talked about what I called a rebuke to Morey when they called his tweet regrettable. And, you know, I heard from the NBA about this and they didn't like the use of that rebuke. And they wanted me to emphasize how much they have supported Morey and his free expression. And they and I do note that they have supported Morey and his free expression and have suffered consequences at the hands of their Chinese partners for supporting him. But I think you can't have it both ways. Uh, you know, I, I think you can buck up against the shut up and dribble mentality. Absolutely. I'm all for that. I'm all for athletes and activism and supporting Colin Kaepernick and look at what he's done. He's changed the narrative in sports. But then to, to say you're going silent about China and you have James Harden apologizing and everyone's afraid to talk, you know, obviously afraid to talk and, and then sort of chalk it up with not being informed. Well, two things about not being informed. Uh, number one, on domestic issues, are they really, really informed on those? I mean, are they digging in deep on both sides of the issue with the domestic issues? And if they are, they pick up a newspaper or read the internet, there's certainly been stuff about these Chinese protesters in Hong Kong for not weeks, months, and images of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, in these squares in Hong Kong protesting with all the tear gas and, and the gas masks and everything else. And again, you don't have to be terribly informed about China to know that the protesters are really advocating in simplest terms for democracy. And China is not a democratic country. So in some ways, the Chinese issue is much clearer and easier to be to understand than the social issues in this country, which have some layers. I know blatant racism has no layers, but there may be more to these stories. So Listen, I just I just wanted the NBA to be a little more transparent. Instead of hiding behind we have free expression, maybe say, okay, and we believe in a democratic society. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? If they're suffering consequences from China by just supporting Daryl Morey, what's wrong with saying why they're supporting him? You know, they certainly say why they're supporting players speaking out on social causes here, not just freedom of expression, because they believe that too. They meaning the commissioner and leadership in the NBA. And my contrast is with the NFL because the NFL has never been comfortable in a progressive space. Now, I know in the Colin Kaepernick saga, they did invite all these players to meetings and the Players Coalition, and that coalition is being funded by the NFL with about $90 million for social causes. 
but we know how the quote-unquote Kaepernick contingent responded to this player coalition, basically calling them sellouts, calling players coalition an arm of the NFL, and saying some pretty nasty things about Malcolm Jenkins. And that faction, of course, is Eric Reed uh, and Kaepernick, who is not getting a job ever in the NFL because the NFL has just decided we're not going there. Not collusion, just individual decisions, and that's what's been going on. NFL doesn't trade in a progressive space, and I just believe that they're sitting back, and even a team president told me this last week, watching the NBA China episode and saying, yeah, that's what you get when you trade in that space, yet don't have a plan for dealing with a communist government. So... Yeah, I mean, whatever directive came out after the Maury tweet, maybe in hindsight, of course, the NBA should have anticipated that before the tweet, that someone in their vast array of people, management coaches, players, was going to say something in support of democracy about China. And rather than just go over there under the mushroom cloud of, you know, China, we got a lot of business interests in China, this is cool even though the government is oppressive. So I, I think that's what we have to talk about here. I'm not criticizing the NBA. I've said that Adam Silver's been out there progressive, and especially when he had that sit-down at the Sloan Conference, <laughs> coincidentally run by Daryl Morey, with Bill Simmons talking about mental health. I'm like, this is a great, great commissioner. To be that open, human, and vulnerable, and transparent about such an important issue I'm like, I'm a forever fan, and still I am. But I criticize the NBA here for whatever they want to say about what happened after they called Daryl Morey's tweet regrettable. That That is what lingers to me. Why call it regrettable? You know, that's a question I have. Why did they call it regrettable? Because now everything we hear out of the NBA is free expression. We, we're not apologizing for Daryl. We get it. We understand it. And I guess he told LeBron James we're, we're not going to discipline him, uh, he being Adam Silver. So listen, that's where I stand there. And then finally on LeBron, again, I'm conflicted here because I think LeBron James is the best role model out there. Think about LeBron James. He has endured what no superstar endured before this this decade. Michael Jordan, Brett Favre, no one, Joe Montana, Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, pick your athlete. Joe DiMaggio, I mean, pick your athlete. Pete Rose, Mickey Mantle, no one has ever endured social media scrutiny like LeBron James, ever. And just as Twitter was bubbling up in 2010, he announced the decision, got derided for years. And he's been under that scrutiny with his incredibly expansive following for how a decade now. So what I say about LeBron, and this was, again, six years into his career already, I say LeBron is an incredible role model. He leads by example his school in Akron, what he does for kids, those bike riding things with the bikes, the way he handles himself, always saying the right thing, the way players look up to him, the way coaches look up to him, the way management looks up to him. The guy, to me, is a complete 
role model. However, <laughs> he's going to suffer here because he lambasted out against, you talk about a rebuke, he rebuked Daryl Morey. And he rebuked him in that, you know, he said it was more than regrettable. He said he put them at risk, harmed them, could have, uh, could have potentially harmed them even more spiritually, emotionally, financially, he may have even mentioned physically. I don't quote me on that, but you know, he's mad. He had a really bad week in China. He blames Mori. I get it. But then to clam up on it, uh, again, why are you clamming up about democracy? when you don't do it in this country, you don't have to support every social cause, but say something, you know, if you don't like the way Maury handled it in terms of putting it out before the trip, instead of after the trip, say, say, I believe in him. I believe also that I believe freedom and I believe the Hong Kong protesters, but he should have done it after the trip. That's fine. He didn't say that. He's not going to speak on the content. And he's sort of following this pattern of, of others saying, I don't, you know, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I don't know the content. They know the content. They know the content. They just spent a week in China. They know the content. Okay. So I get it. But, you know, is it, and, and then it, I think it, people ask if it's going to have a lasting legacy on LeBron. I say no. But I say short term, the next time, and maybe the next time after that, but not longer, LeBron speaks on a social cause, which will be domestic, of course. The impact will be blunted a little bit. There'll be a lot of, well, what about democracy in China? Why did you claim up on China? So those are the kind of things that are coming out of this on LeBron. But I just want to make it clear, you know, as I did to people that question me from the NBA, I'm a huge fan of Adam Silver. I'm a huge fan of LeBron James. In their leadership, they show humanity. They show vulnerability. They show leadership. They, they show understanding with deep issues. But to, a lesser, to, to an extent, LeBron and much lesser extent, the NBA, they punted here. They could have supported the cause without calling it regrettable, without being mad at Maury for the timing of it. They could have supported the cause. They didn't. They supported free speech in general. I get it. But they called Maury's actions regrettable, and LeBron was even more vocally against it. So that's my rant about the NBA in China. The NBA is only too happy to have that over with. They did suffer ramifications on the business side. I think those are temporary, as long as we don't see more Maury tweets, which we won't. <laughs> That's, that's, we, you can be sure of that. Now, a final word from our sponsor, which of course is betonline.ag. We're in it now, guys. We're in everything, NFL, college football, and now the Major League Baseball careening towards the World Series with my, I'm going to claim them, my Washington Nationals. I've never had a baseball team growing up in Washington, D.C. The Senators left when I was a baby. So, I'm going to claim the Nationals. Damn right. I'm a Fairweather fan, but I'm going to claim them. So it's all going on right now. You visit Podcast One and you get your 50% sign-up bonus today at Podcast One, that promo code. So we've got the Astros and Yankees still figuring out who's going to play my Washington Nationals. 
big NFL matchups like the one I'm going to be at, Raiders and Packers. I'll be there this weekend. We also got Houston, and we also got all these games like uh, like the Eagles and Cowboys. It's going to be a great one. And, of course, the big matchups in college football as well. All these things at betonline.ag. Don't forget the promo code PODCAST1 for your 50% sign-up bonus today. Betonline.ag. They're your online sportsbook experts. Well, that'll do it for this Brant's Rants edition of the Business of Sports podcast. Really hope you enjoyed my rants about the officiating, about Jalen Ramsey, and about the NBA China and comparing it to the NFL. Thanks to my producer extraordinaire, Brian Neal my musical and performer, Sam Brandt, and appreciate all of you that both follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt and leave comments and rankings at Apple Podcasts. Truly appreciate those. And we'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.